You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website, ssbaptistchurch.com. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and stand in honor of God's Word this morning. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. And reading through to verse 42. We've been looking at a series on what we're calling personal inventory. In other words, this time of the year is a good time for you and I to take a personal inventory of our lives. In other words, we're coming up, uh, we're in a new year now, 20, 2010, 2010. And, you know, what, what changes do I want to make in my life? What do I want to do different this year? than I did last year. And, and this is a good time to take an inventory. We, we talked first, uh, the first week, we talked about why our resolutions fail. You know, why do New, New, New Year's resolutions fail? And we said this, because of accountability. The truth of the matter is, is that many of us will make uh, uh, some statement that we're going we're gonna to change, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to make a re- New Year's resolution. But the reason that it doesn't work is that we do not bring those people into our lives that are successful in that area that we're struggling in. We don't bring them into our lives, and we don't make ourselves accountable to them. And so it's not long before we're just kind of limping through another year just like we did this past year, and no change takes place. And then we said this, the second week we said real change requires hard questions. In other words, last week we said this. It might be good to take a long, hard look at some real questions, some hard questions that need to be asked if there's going to be real change. And we said this. The first question, the first thing, is do we know God? In other words, do we know God? Is there the assurance of salvation? Secondly, we said another question, do we hate sin? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 said this, Jesus, it said about Jesus, it said, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions and anointed you with the oil of joy. The reason many of us do not have joy is because we are living in willful disobedience to God's Word. We are flirting with wickedness instead of hating it. So number one, do you love God? Do you know God? Number two, do you hate wickedness? Is there an attitude towards sin? Number three, we said this, the third hard question last week, we said was simply this, do you look like Jesus? If you are filled with His Spirit, then you're going to look like Him. There's going to be the fruit of God's Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, self-control. All of those things are going to characterize your life if you are filled with His Spirit. So we said thirdly, do you look like Jesus? Is Is there the apparel of the Spirit? Now today, we're continuing. And we're still looking at this thing of personal inventory. And today we're talking about getting our priorities in order. Okay? In other words, getting our life in order, getting our priorities in order. And we're going to pick up here at Luke chapter 10, verse 38, 
where we are going to learn a, a valuable lesson about priorities, okay? Again, real change requires hard questions. So let me ask you a question. Is your life in order right now? Are your priorities straight? In this account here, we have the life of Christ. He's on His way to Jerusalem. He's on His way to the cross. The cross looms. He stops into the home of a dear friend. He comes there to recline and rest and relax. And that's where we pick up. So let's pick up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. Now I want you to note that. Verse 39, She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He was saying. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She finally came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Look at verse 41. Martha, Martha. Everybody look this way. Martha, Martha. Just say it that way. Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care about us. Lord, this is the year that for many of us, we need to get our lives in order. We need to get our priorities straight. You are trying desperately to speak to us and remind us that when our priorities are out of sort, that our whole life will seem to be a mess. Nothing seems to work right. And so, Lord... May we do as you said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and your righteousness. And you said all of these other things that consume our attention, you'll take care of them. There's some people in this room that have yet to learn that lesson. And they are fighting the hand that is trying to feed them. And today, dear Lord, you want to say something in their lives that will change them. And will change me and change everyone in this room. So Lord, may we all examine our lives. Each one of us. And may we get them in your order. And Father, cleanse us, forgive us where we fail you. And now speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, let me, let me set the stage here, kind of the background of the passage. Jesus is on His way. He's on His way to Jerusalem. He is on His way to the cross. The cross looms. His, now, everyone stay with me here. His heart is heavy. 
I think a lot of times we... I, I, th- let, me, let me tell you. I think sometimes this is our picture of Jesus on His way to Jerusalem. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. I, I, I really believe that. I think that so often that we have this stoic, this stoic figure that is just, just, just walking uh, toward the cross without any human physical struggle of humanity. He was the God-man. We know that it weighs heavy on his heart because in Gethsemane, he collapses to his knees and he cries out and says, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass, then let it pass. The anguish is so intense that the Bible says that the capillaries at the top of his skin were busting and, and, and mingling with blood. The blo- I mean, mingling with the sweat, and he was sweating blood, which is a common thing that happens to men and women who are on death row and are about to be put to death. And, and so he's struggling, and, and in this struggle as he is making his way toward Jerusalem, in obedience to God, denying himself, humbling himself, being obedient, as Paul said, even unto the death of the cross, under that kind of anguish, he stops in a friend's home. A woman by the name of Martha. Martha has opened up her home. She has invited Jesus to come. So that's our first point. Martha opens her home. Now last week we said this, that you and I need to settle our salvation right here at the beginning of the year. We need to determine, am I saved or am I not saved? Do I know God or do, and more important, does God know me? And, and we said this, that we need to open up our lives. We need to open up our hearts. We need to open up our home to the Lordship of Christ. I want you to take a right and go over to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, and I want you to see this. In Revelation chapter 3, begin, at verse 20, many of us know this Scripture from, from memory. But I want you to see it here. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus said, Here I am. This is the NIV. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. In other words, in the King James Version, it says, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. And so last week what we said is, first of all, in 2010, we need to ask a hard question. Am I saved? Do I know God? Is God living in my heart, in my home, in my life? Have you done what Martha did? Have you opened up your home and said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart? Now, secondly, I want you to see this. Imagine this scene. Jesus is coming to Martha's home. She is all excited. I mean, boy, I mean, there's the clamor of company. Guests are about to arrive. Jesus is coming. There's the traditional welcome that Martha wants to extend to Jesus. And she looks like Aunt B running around, wringing her hands and getting everything ready. She is excited. She's off to the races. Jesus comes in, and buddy, she runs back to the kitchen, and man, she's busy getting everything ready, but there's only one problem, she's alone. 
She begins to wonder where her sister Martha is. I mean, Mary is. Now, the Bible tells us here that Mary sits down at the feet of Jesus. And I have this picture. I don't know why you, you know, my kids used to do this. They'd get in front of the TV. Mostly the girls, they'd get down and they'd take their, a lot of times at night after they got their bath, they'd come in there, they'd sit down in front of the TV and they'd take their T-shirt and pull it over. Sometimes if it was cool, they'd pull their arms in their T-shirt. I mean, sometimes they'd have their T-shirt up like this. They'd have, usually it was one of my T-shirts or a big, a big night shirt. And they'd be all cuddled up in it with their eyes poking out watching the TV. This is kind of my picture of Jesus with Mary sitting there. She just wraps those garments around her legs and she's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus and she's just listening. She's just consumed with all that he's saying. Listen, God was in the flesh sitting in front of her, speaking to her. The creator of the universe was sitting there in the flesh of a man. And he was talking to her about the mysteries of humanity, the mysteries of the universe, and she was captivated and consumed while Martha was cleaning up the kitchen. You know, I've always had this picture of the pots and pans getting louder and louder. I know every man knows what I'm talking about. You get a woman in the kitchen when she's mad, Man, I tell you what, buddy, there's, it sounds like an orchestra in there. And, and, and so Martha's in there, and the pots and pans are getting louder and louder, and, and, and she's consumed with getting everything ready, and finally an exasperation, irritated. I believe, she, I, believe, I believe if this were the kitchen, I believe she kept looking in there and seeing Mary. And she'd get louder and louder, and then she'd come back to the door and look, and just hoping Mary, just hope Mary would look at her, because if she did, she was just gonna. And then finally, just an exasperated state of mind, she finally comes in there. She puts her hips on her, on her, I mean, her hands on her hips, and she looks at Jesus, and she does her face down like this, and she said, "Don't you care that I'm in there doing all the work while my sister's sitting here doing nothing? It's not fair." It's not right. Martha, Martha. You know, Martha made some mistakes. I want you to see them. Look at verse 40. In verse 40, it, tell, it gives us a clue. Because see, there's a tendency for some of us in this room to make what I call Martha mistakes. And one of the Martha mistakes is she was distracted by details. Look at verse 40. It said, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Distracted in the Greek is the picture of somebody taking... It's like four big men the size of Dusty Mangum. One man grabs your one hand. One man grabs the other hand. One man grabs a foot. One man grabs the other foot. And they all pull in different directions. Okay? This is the picture in the Greek. It is a man or a woman that is distracted. They're pulled in all different directions. Jesus reprimands her. Watch what he says in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about what? Many things. Now watch what he goes on to say. But only what? One thing is needed and Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, he just simply said, he said, Martha, he said, these, 
all this, all this that all this that you're going to, all the extent to which you're going is not necessary. Coke and nabs is sufficient. Go in there and put some peanut butter on some crackers. Bring me a Coke from the kiosk down the street there and let's just fellowship. Her mistake, listen, is the mistake of some of us. We get caught up in the formalities, in the traditions of setting the table, putting the forks in the right place, getting everything exactly the way it ought to be. Then we're robbed of fellowship. You see, she was robbed of fellowship because she was distracted by details. I have seen some churches that worship is ruined because it was set in concrete. The bulletin, you know, I always had a picture of the bulletin, the minister of music coming out of the copy room with the bulletin. Like the stone tablets. You know, or the pastor coming out and, and he's got it all figured out exactly and it's like the stone tablets. And, he's, and I'm serious. I've been in churches where everything was in concrete where you walk down that bulletin just ticking each thing off as it took place. Planned out to every detail. It reminded me, even as I looked at this, of Goober on Andy Griffith. Goober, they had set Goober up with a date. Goober had never been on a date before, so Andy and Barney were going to kind of help Goober out. And, and Goober said, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. And he was nervous. He just didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. And so they were going to help him out, and they said, well, Goober, look, she's from Raleigh. So first of all, why don't you just talk about Raleigh for a minute? Just ask her, well, where are you from? And she, she's going to say, well, I'm from Raleigh. And then maybe say something about the weather, you know. It's kind of hot up there in Raleigh right now, isn't it? It's kind of warm in Raleigh. Say something about the weather. And, and, and talk about the weather in a minute. And then, and then maybe then you'll be able to reach over and hold her hand. And old Goober grinned said, hold her hand. <laughs> he just grinned. And so here old Goober sitting down, buddy. He, he, he goes up and knocks on the door. Now he's done made him out of sheep. He's, done got, him, he's got his list down there. Raleigh, weather, hold hand. And he looks at it, and he's standing. He knocks on the door, and he looks at it one more time, and he stuffs it, stuffs it down in his pants. And, he, and uh, so she invites him in. He comes in, sits down on the couch, and boy, you can just tell he's nervous. And, and, and he's just thinking, he even pulls out and looks at that list one more time. He said, uh, say, say, where are you from? She said, I'm from Raleigh. And he said, it's kind of hot up in Raleigh right now, isn't it? The weather's kind of hot. She said, yes, it's hot up in Raleigh. And then he sat there for a minute longer, and she had put her hand down there, and he reached over slid his hand over her hand, and then jumped up and ran out of the house. He come busting back in there, and Barney was, in, Barney was about half asleep at Andy's desk. He comes breaking back up into the, into, into the, into the jailhouse there, and, and, and Barney said, man, have you, have, you, have you left yet? And he said, I've already, come, I've already come and gone. He said, it didn't take me no time to do this. You see, we laugh about that, but in some ways, that's the way we approach church. That's the way we approach our, 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 our spiritual pilgrimage daily. We, we go through our daily Bible reading. We read our one-year Bible. We do our little journal insert. We say a little pet prayer, and then we are done, and we're ready to move on through the day. My friend, hear me. It's a mistake sometimes that a mom will make. 
Mom cleans the house, and mom cooks the meals, and mom washes the clothes, and mom does this and does that. And finally, she puts the kids in the bed, and she thinks to herself, there's almost a sadness because she thinks to herself, I never bothered to fellowship with my children today. I did everything exactly right in being a mom. I just forgot to be a mom. Some men say, you know, I work, I make a living, I do, I do all that I can to provide for this family. What more? They'll ask to a wife, what more do you want? I want you to be a dad. I want you to be a husband. I don't need a man that's just checking off and ticking off. Children don't need a mom that's just ticking off clothes done, clothes washed, clothes ready for school, got, them, got the homework done, got this, that, and everything done, but there's no relationship. There's no fellowship. You see, this is what Jesus was saying to Martha. Martha, you are distracted by the details. Some of us need to learn to live life a little looser, a little less planned. You know, I thought to myself, we need a spiritual hotwire.com. I love hotwire.com. I can dream. Hotwire.com is you put, your, you put Jackson Airport in one entry and then you put wherever you want to go in the other entry and you just see what kind of vacation deals are out there. Man, they some great deals. Imagine spiritually if we could do that. So you see, Martha was distracted by the details, but secondly, she was disturbed by devotion. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself Tell her to help me. I love this because I picture her with arms folded, her lips poked out, walking in there, and who is she mad at? Is she mad at Martha? I mean, Mary? No, the Bible says she's mad at Jesus. You see, Jesus again admonishes her. He says, listen, what you are doing, this needs, I don't think Jesus was saying it's not important. Well, just don't worry about it. Let's just fast. Let's just forget about eating. Let's just fast. I don't think Jesus was saying that. I think Jesus was reprimanding her because she was distracted by the details. It was not what she was doing. It was the extent to which she was going. You know, I always laugh and I think about my grandmother. You know, why she made such an impact in my life was she had time for fellowship. I, I laugh all the time. One of my most sweetest memories was the day I went into the kitchen in there and I, just a college kid and struggling and wrestling with my future, wondering what to do with my life, feeling like I had nobody to talk to but my grandmother. I walked in and she was laughing that laugh and I went in there and she said, huh? She said, doll baby? She said, I was trying to make corn dogs. She had boiled corn dogs, put popsicle sticks in them and poured cornbread on them and, I, and all of a sudden she laughed and pulled this thing out of the uh, skillet and it, was, uh, it looked like a corn dog lollipop. There was a corn dog in the middle and the cornbread had hardened into this lollipop looking thing and she was standing there and I said, it looked good to me and that guy didn't take it and ate it. Why? Because we were getting ready to sit around with, the, with a glass of the best iced tea that I've ever drank. Irene comes close. That's why I love Irene when she's down there making Nobody makes tea here like Irene. Clyde's agreeing with me. 
But I, but I love my grandmother because it was a cold glass of iced tea and it was a corn dog popsicle and we were having fellowship. We were talking about things and about life and about things that were on my heart. And I would just unwind. My friend, hear me. That's what God wants with you. That's what Christ wants with you. People like Martha are disturbed by those who are not distracted by the details. They are disturbed by people of devotion. They are disturbed by the Marys. Was Mary a fly-by-the-seat person? No. Was, did Mary not care about eating? No. She just prioritized and realized that there was something bigger happening in the house than, than lunch. And that was Jesus. Jesus was a chips and salsa kind of guy. I love Mexican restaurants because of one thing. I don't judge them by their food. I judge them by the chips and the salsa. That's all I care about. Just bring me chips and salsa and a cold Coke. That's all that it takes to make me happy. Man, and I'll eat a basket of them, basket after basket, and then pay for it later. You know, Jesus was like that. He, I believe he was a chips and salsa kind of guy. He just loved fellowshipping with people. He was an appetizer kind of guy. He could just sit and talk for hours around sim a simple meal. You know, this church here, Southside, this church and your pastor, we're not very good at a lot of things. We're not good at organization. We're not good at administration, are we? <laughs> you know, we're not good at a lot of things. But I can tell you what we're good at. We're not very fancy, but I can tell you something that we're good at, good at. We know that on any given Sunday that Jesus is going to be in the room. We know Jesus. And listen, I don't need you to even amen it. Everybody that I invite, every person that I invite, comes away and most of the time will have tears in their eyes and say this. They'll say, man, God was there. That 71-year-old man has visited about four times in this church. Made the statement recently, when I walked back there, he said, I haven't felt like this since I was a boy. I've been in churches that were structured with everything on time and, and everything you know, meticulously fine-tuned, and yet the tragedy was Jesus was not there. You know, Jesus was never in a hurry. Do you know that? Yet he was always on time. Wow. Some are disturbed by the devotion of others. Why? Because they live their lives distracted by the details. I love the, I love the Andy Griffith where the, where the old rich guy, there's some wealthy businessman, breaks down in, uh, in, in Mayberry. He breaks down this big fancy car, breaks down in Mayberry, and he is just irritated. I mean, he's mad. So he's trying, well, the... the uh, Wally Station is closed and, and Gomer, I think that was an episode Gomer was there and Gomer uh, he had his cousin Goober but Goober, they, he had gone to take his mother somewhere and the wealthy guy says, well I'll get on the phone and he gets on a party line with two old women talking about why their feet fell asleep and, and if you haven't seen this episode, he's finally so frustrated and he's irritated and you just see his blood pressure rising and they're sitting out on the porch, and, and Barney's talking about going and getting a Coke, and then maybe going to see Thelma Lou. And finally, the rich guy, just the wealthy guy, businessman, looks and says, Just go to Thelma Lou's. Just make a decision, do something. 
And then a little while later, Andy's sitting there peeling an apple, and he's trying to peel it in one long string without breaking the string. And Andy says, well, looky there. He got that old country bumpkin. I got to look at there. He said, I did it, man. I peeled that apple and didn't break it. And the wealthy businessman is about to just scream. But then finally, finally, Gomer gets Goober, they get his car fixed. Aunt B's in there fixing some fried chicken in a bag getting everything ready, and they, they're out there, and they're all waving goodbye to him and telling him, said, man, you have a safe journey. And he said, well, how much do I owe you? And, and Gomer says, man, me and Goober said, you don't know us nothing. We, it was just, could we just, we hope you didn't mind, we got our picture with this big car. And, you know, and it was just such simple love and such simple fellowship. And the old man's backing out of the driveway, and all of a sudden he says, you know, I hear something not right about that engine. He said, do you hear it, Andy? And Andy catches on, Andy said, I think I hear it too. He said, I tell you what, let's just wait till Monday morning and take care of that car. And that old wealthy guy gets out. And the last scene, I love this scene, the last scene is the old wealthy businessman sitting out on that porch and he's falling asleep. And in one hand is a peeled apple and the other is that long string where he had done the same thing Andy did earlier. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the problem is with many people in, in, in the church, is we have asked Jesus to visit and we have, we have invited Jesus into our homes and into our lives, but the reality is we don't have no time for him. We don't have no time for fellowship. Some here have salvation, but there's no fellowship. This is the problem so often in Thanksgiving and Christmas. We don't need people just to serve, we just need people to talk. We need people to fellowship. Well, real quickly, and let me close. Martha opens up her home. Mary opens up her heart. Now I want you to see this. Martha opened up her home, but Mary opened up her heart. And that's, and that's the key here. There's two things. She opened up her heart to Christ. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she is absorbed in what He is saying. Hear me. Look at verse 39. You and I cannot grow this year spiritually. We cannot mature unless we do what she did in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the feet listening to what he said. Sitting at his feet, absorbed in what he's saying. You and I cannot make any progress spiritually if we are not continually sitting at the feet of Jesus. Consistently sitting, fellowshipping around his word fellowshipping in prayer, putting Scripture to memory, and then appropriating that Scripture to our lives. And some in this room would say, well, wait a minute, you don't know my schedule. You don't know how many demands that I have on my life. If you're too busy for Jesus, you're too busy. I want you to see this. Some people in this room will say, well, you don't know my schedule. I'm in school. I've got this. I've got tests. I've got exams. I've got homework. I've got a job. I'm working two jobs. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm trying to be a parent. I'm trying to wear this. I'm trying to do... You know, and on and on it goes. Look at verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Now watch this. Mary has what? What? Chosen. 
In the NIV it says, Mary has chosen what is better. You don't know my schedule, my friend. Your schedule is what you chose it to be. Your priorities may be messed up in your life and it's simply because you are undisciplined and because Jesus is not a very high priority in your life. Hear me, what will he have to do to become a higher priority in your life? Let me tell you how Jesus can be immediately come to the top of your priorities. You go to the doctor tomorrow and you get a routine exam. And in that routine exam, whether it be a pap smear, whatever it may be, you get, a, you get a bad result. And that doctor's calling you and saying, I need to see you as quickly as possible. And you watch and see how quickly Jesus will become a priority in your life. I can tell you how quickly you'll move him up to the top of the list. Just like that. Can I ask you something? What will he have to do to become the number one priority in your life? Because let me say this, as he has led us so often in worship, he won't relent until he has it all. My heart is yours. He won't let up. He won't let go. He won't give up. Mary opened her heart to Christ, and then secondly, and we'll close with this, she opened her heart to the crowd, to people. I think, I think this is just the way she was. It wasn't just Christ. She was just this way. She just it lived her life that way. You, you see, if there's any tra- challenge that I would give you this year, is not only opening up your heart and allowing Christ to come in and beginning to build some rich fellowship with Christ and spiritually begin to mature and grow. It's not only opening up your heart to Christ, but it's opening up your heart to the crowd out there, to people. To let your life count in the lives of others. Be light, be salt, be yeast. Do it naturally. Just be the church anywhere and everywhere you are. Just be light. Just be salt. Just be yeast. Just live your life listening and and reaching out to hurting people. Let me read this and I'm going to close with this. I got this this week. I thought it was really good. A man by the... Well, uh, it's about David Robinson. David Robinson is one of the NBA greats. He played for the San Antonio Spurs. This was written by a woman who works for P.F. Chang's in San Antonio. Listen to what she said. For those of you who are, unfamiliar, or who are familiar with basketball, you certainly know the name David Robinson. He is an American NBA basketball player who played center for the San Antonio Spurs for his entire NBA career. He won the MVP trophy in 1995, and in 1996 he was named one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame along with Michael Jordan, John Stockton, Jerry Sloan, and C. Vivian Stranger, and, and C. Vivian Stranger on September the 11th, 2009. Robinson is a native San Antonio and though retired, still resides here. Having been in the restaurant industry for the past several years, I have had good fortune of meeting David Robinson and he names a few other Spur players. He said, a few weeks ago, Mr. David Robinson came into P.F. Chang's to dine with his family. He was kind, he was courteous, he was very patient with all of the fans who asked him for his autograph. I was impressed. 
Even with the people bugging him during his meal, he held a happy face, a patient demeanor with all the people who spoke with him. Today, Mr. Robinson visited P.F. Chang's again. And again, he was ever so patient with the fans. He signed autographs. He allowed them to snap pictures. And right as he was about to leave, a young woman approached him and told him the story of how her brother was killed by a drunk driver just a few days ago, and the wake was that day. She explained that her brother was a huge Spurs fan, and David Robinson fan and said, uh, and having never had the opportunity to meet him, she asked for his autograph on her brother's funeral program. Of course, Mr. Robinson was very sympathetic and you could tell the woman was exceptionally emotional and it took a lot of courage to approach him to, to request his autograph. He signed the paper and what he next did blew me away. He asked her if he could pray with her. Here in P.F. Chang's, right in the middle of a public dining hall. With tears in her eyes, she said, yes, please. He wrapped his giant basketball player hands around hers. And together they bowed their heads, blocking out all of the people, the noise and the traffic around him. He prayed a long and heartfelt prayer aloud, asking God for strength for her and her family in their time of loss and for the protection of her brother. I could see in concentration that he was speaking directly to God and that he meant every word. Though this whole encounter only took just a few minutes, it was truly amazing. When he walked out the door, I stood in awe. I was truly inspired by this man. Though he was famous, famously accomplished athlete, he offered a sense of peace and calm to a woman who had just suffered a devastating loss. I'm sure that moment will live in her heart forever. My heart was warmed by one simple human interaction. And it made me think of the amazing power of one hug, one touch, one kind word. Sometimes people don't need a Martha. They just need somebody to sit and to listen and to wrap your hands around theirs and say, let me pray for you. My friend, this year, 2010, is a good time to ask yourself the question, is Jesus living in the house but I don't have no time for him. Is it not time maybe to return to a spirit of fellowship with Christ that will lead to spiritual maturity and growth? Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to stand with heads bowed and with eyes closed. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, just stand for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you're distracted by details. You live your life like a Martha, racing through it. You may be here today as a parent and you're, you're, you're doing everything right as the world says do it. 
You got them to the you got them to the soccer games. You got them to the baseball games. You got them to the uh, you got her at dance rehearsal. You've got you've got them here. You've got them there. You, they 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 wear they wear good clothes. You 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 got a, you got uh, not only good apparel on them. You got a good meal in their stomach. You're taking care of the house. You're doing everything, but you're not being a parent. There's not a hand on their shoulder that says, "Come on, let's go for a walk." Let's talk for a while. You may be here in, in your marriage. You're going through all the emotions. But you're married in name only. There's no fellowship. And I would venture to say in a room like this, there are people that that's also their relationship with Christ. They know they're saved. They can look back and remember that moment. But they've lost that fellowship. They've lost that communion. And God wants it back. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let me ask you this. Do you know God? Does God know you? Are you saved? Is He even in your heart, in your life? Secondly, do you have time for Him? Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You. And Lord, we just pray right now that the power of Your Holy Spirit will cause us to step back from our lives, to examine our priorities, and, and not excuse the indifference that we show toward you with our schedules and our agendas and the demands on our lives. Father, maybe it's time to readjust and to reevaluate our life and to say that some things that are at the top of the priority list are, are really not that important. Lord, may we become a simpler people. Called up in love with you, dear Jesus. Called up in love with what you love, hurting people. Reaching out and ministering to them. Being like David Robinson, wrapping our hands around the hands of another and saying, let me pray for you.